All right, you're now tuned in to the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 283. The Denver Nuggets have won the World Championship, Denver's first title in its team's history, but do they have a dynasty on their hands? The NBA season may be over, but our season is not. Of course, we got a lot of trade rumors we're going to talk about. The Serbians are winning in the sports world, and what in the hell is Carl Anthony Towns talking about? It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It's the follow through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode two eighty three. The NBA season is officially over. But you know, Clips and Drew are still going to bring it to you every single week. The Nuggets are officially NBA champs. Props to Drew and my sister. I, <laughs> Nicole, my sister Nicole made sure that I had to say something on this podcast about how she called a gentleman sweep before Drew. Uh, Drew, congrats on the gentleman sweep. We had a really good time. You came up to the crib to watch the final game of the season. We got to watch the game together. We got to see the celebration and and uh the game and it was just a really good time it's a, it's always a sad time when the season ends though right and uh but it ended in great fashion denver wins it at home so congrats to the denver nuggets fans my sister's a fan we're going to talk about her casual fanhood and then shout out to our boy chenay over in denver who's the Definitely. really the legit only uh denver nugget fan that i've ever known and he was at game one he was popping bottles at game <laughs> game five uh <laughs> But anyways, season's over. It was huge. Jokic gets a finals MVP like we all thought would happen. You know, it was funny when you came up. I just kept – what was the one thing I kept asking for from one of the Denver players? You wanted MPJ to go for 20. I wanted 20 points from MPJ after being so bad the whole postseason offensively. I thought he was fine on defense and whatnot. And he almost got it, Drew. What was it, like 18? Uh, he finished with 16. 16, and then he had some dimes. He had some rebounds. So it was actually – he finished with a really good game. AG had a good game. He actually got a million-dollar bonus. I posted that on the tip page today for, for winning the NBA Finals, which is pretty insane. But uh, the Nuggets, man, world champs. Yeah, man, it it's, uh, seemed inevitable, right, Based just based on how they were going this whole postseason. And, you know, before Miami steals the victory in game two, did not lose a postseason game at home, was going to go down as one of the greatest runs. And I still think – should be one of the greatest runs in postseason history uh, with the greatest postseason, singular postseason in history by Nikola Jokic, who finished first in points and rebounds and assists in all of the postseason in all of the eligible players. Uh, so historic for Jokic, historic for Denver, a team that has, I mean, that's one of the most uh, rugged fan bases and and you know a, a, a city that sticks behind their team from what I can tell but never ever really was able to taste the success that they had even just by making it to these finals and then of course being able to close it at home in, in game five has to be one of those most magical feelings for that fan base uh, so very excited I also think there's like a bigger picture thing that we can talk a little bit about about what this means for small market teams or medium market teams too like having Denver be one of those 
organizations in the NBA that's never won a finals, finally you'd be able to cross that off the list. It, it, I think it also shows a pathway for medium to small market teams on how, number one, you get lucky and you pick up, you know, a, a, an all-timer in the draft, way late in the draft in the form of Jokic. But if you look at the rest of the drafts outside of the the second rounder uh, who turns into be one of the top, you know, 10, 20 greatest players of all time, outside of that one, which is luck, the Denver Nuggets have done a great job of building this organization, building the culture, keeping Michael Malone on board, even though they had some tough years. Uh, that's kind of the path forward for all small, small to medium market teams here. So it's a huge win, of course, uh, for the Denver Nuggets. But I think there's a broader win there for for other teams that aren't New York, L.A., Miami, like those types of big cities. Yeah, something we preach all the time. I mean, draft well. Uh, build the players that you draft, believe in them like they do did with Jamal and with MPJ, and then kind of doubling down once you realize like how great Joker is and how how you know man if we if he ended it today if he retired after uh, this victory the championship game and you look at the last five seasons right and just put five seasons out there and be like all right five All Stars five All NBAs two MVPs, one chip, one finals MVP, that's historic in itself, mm -hmm. you know? And just right then you could retire. You're probably in the hall of fame based <laughs> off that. Yeah. You know, I, I think a lot of teams are going to be brainwashed a little bit. Now they're going to be looking at it like, okay, shit. So now we need a, a good passing center to run our <laughs> offense from, and it's not going to work for everybody because no, no, no. not everybody's Nicola. And, you know, again, I think, the way that he handles it, like he was excited. He was excited they won, but he went up <laughs> to every single Heat player yeah. before he celebrated, showed them love. This is that foreign shit. Instead of being on top of the scoreboard and pumping your fist in the air, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing to do when you win the championship, but it's the respectable thing to do to do exactly what he did, right? And um, it's just it's just a really big win. I loved everything about it. I, I, all anybody's talking about right now is the Joker and just how great he is. And, and, you know, I think there is something to be said for scouting, right? Somebody had to find Joker, just like they found Giannis and believed in Giannis. Yep. Somebody found him and then kind of molded him into what he is now. I mean, he was, wasn't the skinniest person in the world when he came into the NBA and he <laughs> kind of, you know, just had worked himself into be such a great player. And I think the it's, it's, refreshing to see a superstar like him act the way that he does. Right. So uh, big ups to them. I, you know, I, it, it, people are asking like, is this a dynasty? And I, I don't know if it's a dynasty. A lot of things have to kind of mm -hmm. go right for you to win a championship as every team does. And uh, I, I don't know, will they be top of the list next season? Yeah. I mean, I don't see why they wouldn't be the best team in the NBA next season or expected to be in the NBA finals. They do have some things that they have to address with, Bruce Brown, which is funny. We're talking about like how important Bruce Brown is, but the, those little pieces are really important and people are seeing the value in some of these, you know, we had said on our show, like this, this, this free agent class right now, isn't going to be the best. So you have to find the diamonds in the roughs, the gems, the Bruce Browns, the Batums or whoever else you want it, want it to be, uh, to really make your team good. Um, they also committed a lot of money in Denver. Like they're, they've committed a lot to Nicole. I think he had at the time he signed the biggest contract in M NBA history. Jamal Murray's getting paid. MPJ's getting paid. Um, but I, I think the blueprint is there. 
And I think they will be at, at the top next season, don't you think? Yeah, Dynasty's tough. And I, I really want to I want to see a more standardized Western Conference regular season before I go ahead and say that we're looking at another team that's going to be constantly in the finals for the next five to seven years. Mm -hmm. Is it possible? Absolutely. When you have someone as good as Nikola Jokic and you have Jamal Murray, who's excellent, and then you have young guys that are continuing to improve, like you, you would assume that Michael Porter Jr. gets even better next year and some of those lapses that we saw out of him in these finals goes away, or at least they lessen. Uh, you have to you have to assume that Aaron Gordon is going to continue to thrive in this system uh, because they ask, you know, uh, very small, very specific things from him that he's able to accomplish at a very high level. But the Bruce Browns of the Denver Nuggets will determine whether or not they actually can fight uh, to to make a run into the finals again. I'm not going to put it past them. Of course, you can't. Uh, and it feels different than last year's champion being the Warriors and us. Really, I I was we were both kind of a little bit surprised that they were able to make it to the finals out of last year. And then of course, when they got there, it's not necessarily surprising that they won. But when we looked at that team the following year, like in the same podcast from last year, I think we both were very skeptical that they would be able to repeat what they did. Although we know it's a possibility. I think with this Denver Nuggets team, you can have a safer expectation that they can repeat what they did today. than you, then you do the warriors from last year. They have everything in place, uh, long contracts out to the mo most important people on the team. Uh, with still a little bit of room to to maneuver. And and I'll just speak to Bruce Brown, the guy that you brought up. That guy hit two clutch free throws at the very end of game five to really close out the game uh, and was huge for them uh, throughout the regular season, of course, but in the postseason had very, very important performances. Um, and so I would expect for them to try and lock him down as early as possible for as little money as possible on the Nuggets side. Of course, Bruce Brown's going to go, hey, everyone just saw what I did, so I should be getting pretty top dollar here as far as positionally. Uh, but, you know, I think also the beauty of uh, the superstar being Nikola Jokic, I, I'm going to keep going back to the Warriors because it's it's a similar beauty in having the superstar of Steph Curry. People want to play with those guys. yeah. So there's going to be a, some some consideration on taking less money to stick with this group and maybe run it back and and have just like a very enjoyable season with a with a great superstar and a great coach and a great city with support and so there's I think no drama there's no right. drama with them. <laughs> right right the only drama that we've seen out of that organization is just injuries and that's not even drama but that's like the only thing that has gone wrong at times which is maybe the reason that we point to is this a dynasty because without Jamal's injury and Michael Porter Jr's injury prior to that maybe maybe they have already made this finals in 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 a couple years ago and maybe they've already won the championship a couple years ago if those injuries don't happen but um i still think that there's going to be a lot of shaking up as we see every off season uh in the west specifically within the west um and i think we're going to get to some of these teams that might be making some moves potentially a little bit later in the podcast but you have to assume that that um the clippers potentially will be healthy we don't know what golden state's going to do we don't know what the Lakers are going to look like and, and whether or not they can be healthy and whether or not they can, you know, kind of capture the momentum that they ended the season on. What the hell is Dallas going to look like when Banyama's is going to the Spurs? Uh, the Rockets may actually make a play to start being a winning organization. Oklahoma City is on the rise. Uh, and that's just, you know, to name a few. The Kings had the best year of their entire freaking franchise last year. So um, I'm excited for next year. And I know that you say it's a little it's kind of a bummer. When, when the season ends, but I actually get fired up during this time. I like 
having you know a, a breather from watching game after game after game day after day it's nice to take like a deep breath and go like cool woo and then focus on like some of this other stuff that's really exciting like the draft that's coming up and uh, free agency and, and all the different moves that we've had so I'm I'm very excited for it but uh Denver Dynasty I think it's still it still has to be a no are they a dynasty now they have to prove that in the next two three four five years I think those you kind of hit it on the head just watching Joker in the playoff, watching the team, how they work, how they're coached. I think a lot of these mid-tier free agents uh are gonna be looking at going to teams like Denver. Cause like, yes. look, not everybody's like all in on going to play with Luca or going to play with Braun, because you kind of have to play to to how they play. When you go and play with Joker, you just have to play basketball pretty much. If you can shoot, the ball's gonna get in your hand. Uh, obviously he's a great teammate. So I I'm with you on the dynasty stuff. I think it's funny this morning. You just brought up how there's, this is kind of like the dead time and we're going to prep, prep for the draft and, you know, uh, trades and all that shit. And while, while I woke up this morning, um, I always have first take on in, in my bedroom while I'm getting ready. And, and, uh, I was brushing my teeth and I was thinking, man, like how many days is it going to be until, I hear Stephen A and JJ and Molly talking about like they're going to go to who's the goat, Michael or or LeBron. Like it's we're we're in that part of the NBA season <laughs> where that's going to be the debate, and I hate yeah. it so much. And I'm brushing my teeth, and then I hear Molly say, "Okay, she's all who who has a better chance of winning a championship next year, Patrick Mahomes or Nikola Jokic." And oh. I'm like, and I start laughing. I'm like, oh my God, this is what we're doing now. Like, That's actually a, not a bad question. I don't mind it, that question. I, it is a bad question. Okay. Like it's football and basketball. And I'm like, dude, we're already yeah. starting. I don't like, I don't like it at that all. That merges two things that are in the off season right now. We have a lot of well, free agency stuff happening for the NFL. They're ramping up for mini camp. Their seasons get, you know, the summer is very important for NFL teams. I actually, I like that question. I, well, I actually don't know goes, who I think. I don't know who I think I would pick in that scenario. Well, it goes right to Keyshawn and Keyshawn has a great, like a really great answer. He says, Patrick Mahomes. And then it goes to JJ and JJ just starts laughing. Cause I think he was thinking the same thing I was like, are we really doing this? He's like, look, JJ's like, look, I am a casual football fan, right? Like <laughs> I know football. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, I know the ins and outs of the chiefs or Patrick Mahomes. Like mm -hmm. I know basketball. So he said, look, I I'll just take, I'm going to take the Denver Nuggets and Joker getting another one. I'm just saying, like, this is sink or swim season for for podcasts and talking heads. Like, you got to really – we learned during COVID, like, yeah. you really got to dig down deep and find some good – I mean, we're going to be talking about the same stuff a lot of these guys are, but you got to be good with it. You got to be nice. You got to yeah. come up with good content. I just thought it was funny at that yeah. moment while I'm thinking about the the, the GOAT conversation that they, they bring Patrick Mahomes and Joker in on the same, on the same yeah. topic. It's I'll just wild. answer it because the NFL is nearly impossible to repeat. It's one and done. There's no series. The NBA is substantially easier to win a championship in because you have multiple opportunities to make mistakes, recover from them, mm -hmm. and then change the, your your approach in your lineup and then go execute again. The That's NFL basically is, what JJ said. That's yeah, basically the NFL is so it's such a fucking roll of the dice, bro. I mean, it you know it's one game every single round. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I would definitely say that Vegas, for instance, the odds if they were going to put that out there would have to lean heavily on the Denver Nuggets being able to do it before the the the, the Chiefs would, even though the Chiefs are spectacular. I, f I thought, first of all, I want to give a shout-out to Reggie Jackson and DeAndre Jordan getting a yeah. chance. Uh, I'm just so happy for them. I mean, 
Reggie had a rough year this year. Who would have thought? <laughs> if you would have told Reggie in December, like shout hey, out man, to Thomas Bryant you, too, baby. Shout out to Thomas Bryant. Didn't get one minute in that in the series. I don't they play think. DJ instead of you, Thomas. I was calling for you, bro. I was calling. Hey, we were me and you were kind of pumped. DJ got in and we're like, wow. And I hit his uncle up. I hit DJ's uncle up. Like, dude, finals minutes. He's getting finals minutes. <laughs> and he came in and just beat somebody's shot up real quick. And I'm yeah, like, he dude, did. he's in the books. Um, I think, I think that it's funny with Joker, like he's not lying about not being interested in going to the parade, right? He wants to go <laughs> home. <laughs> he, I mean, he's going to be parade. At the, when he's parade. <laughs> there's no, no, I have to I go, must home. go home. I have to go home, but that's what makes him so awesome, man. That's what I like him. And, and yeah. I posted that on our page, like legend, this guy's a legend for doing it. And somebody hit me up. No, worst superstar ever. He has no passion. I'm like, watch whatever, dude, watch this <laughs> guy fine. play. That, I know that person fun. can can think that. Congratulations on that thought, sir. Yeah, it's always somebody, man. It's yeah. always somebody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's basically all I got about Denver. Shout out to the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, I can't. I'm I'm, I'm just Denver Nuggets got one before the Clippers. <laughs> I, you I know, gonna, my sister. I was actually gonna before we moved on to the next thing. I was gonna say <laughs> now that's one less team that hasn't won a final. So now the the list is even shorter for that Clippers uh, to get over the hump. But I do want to I just want to quickly talk about a little bit of game five and how close Miami was to extending this out and then making this like very intriguing for everybody, because this was the perfect recipe for Miami to take advantage of what was taking place out there. Denver couldn't hit the fucking broadside of a barn from three. They were one for 15 in the first half, 10 turnovers. They couldn't hit a free throw. And I just I know that we're praising Denver, Denver for everything they did. And they they closed the game out spectacularly and, and really just, you know, won the game. Uh, but and and fought through the adversity of, of everything there. But it did seem for like the majority of the game. I know we watched it together. Like it was like, holy shit, Miami's gonna do this. We're gonna we thought gonna we had we it. thought Miami was doing it. Definitely. Like I definitely right. for for three and a half quarters of that game, I was like, oh shit. And and I just think I the, the, the way that I'll close it is I, I feel um like Jimmy Butler needs to and and he did already in his in his in his presser after the game take the blame for kind of shitting the bed in this series uh i think he still played super hard but he was not the jimmy that we saw in the previous three rounds he wasn't him he wasn't him no absolutely right exactly mm-hmm. it was back to the j the h was removed for this series and you know a lot of people are going to go back to like the ankle injury and and uh you know kudos to jimmy for not just being you know able to take the easy way out it very it could have been super easy for him to go not my ankle uh i couldn't do it i was probably you know 80 percent or 90 whatever you know whatever he could have lebroned it for sure right absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. and and for him to just like own it the way that he did uh and just be like i we lost that series i didn't play good enough and we didn't play what you know good enough uh, obviously it's not him alone, right? Everyone else on the, on the, on the Miami heat also kind of took like a half step, but even, even a full step back in the series. But that would have been like the, the, the quintessential, like here comes Jimmy. And we had a, a very small segment of that game in the fourth quarter where he, he went off for 11 straight. And, and again, even then maybe it was, you know, four three quarters and three, three quarters and three quarters, if you know what I'm saying, uh, of, of the four quarter game that, that I thought Miami was going to win. And lo and behold, he ends up being the one that turns the ball over at the very end, gives the ball back to Denver to kind of close out the game. Uh, but it is it is something that I think 
needs to be brought up because we gave Jimmy Butler a lot of praise over the course of these playoffs. Facts. I think he plays himself into the ground. And I think a lot of those guys on Miami just play so hard that when you get to this final stage, uh, it, it can be really difficult to keep that going, keep those legs fresh. And, and, uh, and of course, when you compile that with shooting woes, it's just not going to go very well. But I just, I, for, for, I wanted to close on that because I think Jimmy's a spectacular player. I think he just, he, either he was injured, but whatever it was, Aaron Gordon, I would love to give him some praise. And I don't think enough people are, but Aaron Gordon did a great job throughout this playoffs and including this finals by taking on the best player pretty much from every single team that he went through uh, and taking them on uh, defensively. Um, but it was like, it was just one of those things where I'm, I'm, I'm a little disappointed in the output from Jimmy Butler, but I'm very proud of the way that he handled it. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's how, I would love my superstar to handle that scenario, but it, but it brings me to something that I think Miami needs to address. And, and I wonder, you know, we spent a lot of time on whether or not Tyler hero was going to be able to play and he didn't, he didn't see the floor at all. So I wonder having him healthy fully, what that could have looked like uh, and, and moving forward in the next year, what that's going to look like. But I definitely think Miami needs to try and get, you know, a little bit better this year. Seven undrafted players is a great story. It's mm-hmm. an awesome thing. And then, but then when you get to this level of the finals and those guys aren't able to produce at the level that they were, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta look around and I would not be surprised to see Duncan Robinson on the move to try and maybe supplement, you know, if, if you're going to stick with Max Struess, who's, who, who is a free agent this year, uh, then stick with him, sign him up and, and trade Duncan or, keep Duncan and let Struce go in free agency and, and then use some of that cap. But that it, Max is only getting paid like $2 million this year. So, so the, the, the smarter money is go ahead and try and trade Duncan Robinson to the Knicks or the Lakers or, you know, name any team that would want a shooter. And Duncan, I think actually, you know, kind of solidified that he can still play in the league here in this playoff um, run. Uh, but they're, they're, they have to look at addressing things. And they also, of course, did lose Victor Oladipo, who, Oladipo as well. Again, unfortunately for Vic, he's going to be out for another little while with an injury. So it just felt like, you know, the end was near and kind of the writing on the wall for the Miami Heat. But I think there's a way for them to recoup as we see them do all the time and, you know, maybe make a trade for somebody and and they could find themselves back here. But um Jimmy needed to do a better job. And I think Bam needs to work on his post moves uh, for them to, you know, finally get over this hump with this group, with this specific group, which they haven't been able to do. Those two guys need to be more consistent in the series. And I think Bam just needs to take advantage of uh, his quickness. And I would love to, for him, if I, if I had a wish list for Miami, I would, it would be to send Bam to go work with Akeem. Uh, and we say that go- for everybody. Does he even yeah, take but- on any people anymore? I don't know. I don't know if he does. And if he doesn't, then go find whoever else is going to help you with your post move. What call Timmy D up or something. But um, I just, I, I really, I know He's I got want Alonzo there though. Like Alonzo has never be... really been a, a great post move offensive player. He was a fantastic defensive player, could make simple drop steps and then alley oops and rebounds. But the point that I'm making is like if Bam's not going to do the thing that I want him to do and stretch his range out to 18 to 20 feet and shoot that competently then he has to work on getting people getting closer to the basket. He's too willing to shoot the eight to 10 to 12 footer, which is great. And I think he's actually quite good at it, but it it, it just makes it more easy to guard when you know that you're, he, he's not going to go around you with a post move. Like how many times did he go around Jokic? Like zero. Like I, I, you know, it was one of those things where, 
uh, he would he would just do that little floater or that little push shot, and that's a good thing to have in your bag. But then he needs to either knock down an eighteen footer or go get better offensive post moves and get yourself in positions to catch that ball and, and be an offensive threat from the block. I think what you're saying about Duncan and Max Struess, I think Duncan earned himself like a, another payday this this yeah, playoff. He's got, like some, he's got he's got like four years left on his deal. Yeah, he's got a lot. He got ninety million coming, but you know, I I, I mean, like he showed his value with that contract in these playoffs. Mm-hmm. I thought him as a creator, he he had a couple dimes that I was really impressed with, yeah, confidently shooting those threes. Uh, with Max, it's like you get kind of both sides, offense and defense with him. So he might be a little more valuable. I would put uh, – I would hang Duncan Robinson out and see, yeah. like, what we can get for him. Totally. And, you know, you're totally right with the undrafted players. Like, you got to have some more vets on there. And Kyle <laughs> Lowry, you know, had his moments where he hit a hit yeah. a couple big shots. But like 30, Kyle Lowry. 37 years old and you know they've been they've been linked to dame but i, I don't necessarily know like what you're gonna have to give up for dame but you're right brad i mean Beal. brad Beal's another one that i think maybe we can bring up a little well bit you know let's kind of get into it let's kind of get into that a little bit because brad Beal's name came up today uh zion's name came up today and let's start with zion because i i think it's just i think it's wild because it th- four years ago was it four? Has it been four years since he's been drafted? Will this be his fourth season? This uh, will be his fourth year. So this is gonna be his this is gonna be his fifth year. And when the Pelicans won the lottery to get Zion, it was like the lottery ticket, right? It was the lottery yeah. ticket. We're getting Zion Williamson. And now, based on his playing track record, which he hasn't been playing a lot, when he does play, he's an absolute animal. He's an all-star when he's playing. There were these little red flags that we had mentioned on the last show with, you know, his off the court stuff with the ladies, you know, where's your focus at Zion? Why are you still kind of fat? You know, like what, <laughs> what, are, what are we doing wrong when you can't stay on the floor? What kind of value are you bringing? And for everything I'm hearing, they want to trade up. I think they have the 14th pick, the 14th or 13th. They're trying to get to that second pick and get scoot, which I really like. If you've seen this guys, I, I, I mean, I've been very adamant about <laughs> how much I like Scoot, but uh, his workouts have been insane. I was looking at his body the other day and it's like, damn, this guy is just a brick house. Looks like he's ready to go. And there's something really intriguing with that Charlotte number two pick and getting Zion and LaMelo to be on the same squad together. And Zion, I think you brought up on the last show, that's a Jordan athlete. He'd be with Jordan over there. And I don't know. Would you? I'm just kind of torn. Do you give up on Zion because when he's playing, the potential is there. Mm. The superstar, the all star, the all NBA guy is there. But is 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 he gonna be able to play? So do you dangle? Do you dangle Zion out there to to go for Scoot? When you were all in on Zion, you paid him a lot of money. But there's something really intriguing about Scoot to a lot of these guys, and the Pelicans are seeing it. And they are one of those teams, Drew. We saw at the beginning of this this past season where we were talking like, holy shit, are these guys built for a championship team? If When all these guys are healthy, Zion, CJ, B.I., Herb, like all, all these guys, they got everything that they need. What do you do? Like, what, what would you do? If, if I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my take right now. I, I wouldn't do it. I'm sticking with Zion. I'm going another year. I'm running it back with him. Although I love Scoot and the thought 
of Zion and LaMelo together is fun for us as fans to think about like the highlights and the sports center shit. And Zion can be free down there if he's playing. But if I'm the Pelicans, if I'm trying to compete for a championship, I got to stick with Zion. Yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm in that same arena there. I don't think you'd trade him yet. Right. Um, Still haven't had a full season of Zion and there's so much promise. There's just there's so much promise there. Everyone sees it. We all talk about how good he is when he's on the court. I just don't think I would trade that for Scoot Henderson. I would trade that for Wembo, right? But <laughs> yeah. I'm not trading I'm not trading Zion for Scoot or Brandon Miller or anybody else in this draft. Um and look, you know, point guards in the NBA are kind of like running backs in the NFL. There's always a new crop of guys coming up every year that you can find a lot that do well undrafted (laughs) Gabe Vincent, right? There's another guy. Um, And then, you know, specifically for the Pelicans that are looking to get Scoot Henderson, I just, are you going to play along him alongside CJ and then push CJ off the ball again? Like, is that maybe that's what CJ wants? Maybe CJ doesn't want to be a point guard. Um, you know, CJ is probably not going to be involved in the trade. I don't think it could be. Um, but if that's the case and it's CJ and it's Zion, that's, you know, CJ has got four years, $33 million a year coming. Mm. Uh, that's not cheap. And of course, Zion's got, you know, a bunch of money coming to him. He's got six years left off of that extension that he, that he signed. Ugh. Um, it's probably five years now. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can understand why the Pelicans would be checking temperatures on Zion's value. And I hope that's what they're doing. I think technically my guess is what they're doing is checking temperatures with other organizations so that they can have an evaluation of where, where the NBA, you know, uh, organizations value Zion so that he knows whether or not, uh, and when I say he, the, the GM, um, the GM Griffin knows what to do for next year. Cause I think, I do think you give him one more year and then if he's still not able to, you know, get on the court and play 65 games, 70 games, then I think it's fair to start looking around and going, okay, uh, you know, what can we get? What kind of haul can we get for this guy? Um, but the answer for, for the Pelicans right now should be no. Like, this is not, right. you know, this is not the move. I, it, if you wanted to trade CJ to go get Scoot, I could see that, right? I could see that happening. You get CJ or uh picks and or anybody else that's fine it's not enough though i don't think that's, that's i agree it's not, not enough it, it would have to be cj and a couple of those picks that that the pelicans already have and they have a bunch the yeah they have they do they have a bunch right i mean they gave up a bunch to get cj so mm-hmm. my guess is that because of that they're probably not going to trade cj um yeah i i do think the more interesting pairing like if if zion is going to be traded if they're going to do that the pelicans i think the more interesting fit is Charlotte, not Portland. Because you can see it play out for Portland fans. Like, this would be the worst swing ever for that organization that has time and time again swung and missed on guys based on injury. We went through it on the last podcast. We brought up a couple guys, (laughs) Brandon Roy. And, uh, you know, there's a whole long list of Portland Trailblazers. that Lower body injuries to Portland Trailblazers don't work. It's not and, good. And, and Zion's so feet are If dry. I'm Portland, I am not betting on this guy who has not been on the court. If mm-hmm. I'm Charlotte, I'm going to take a real close look at that. Because if it is, in fact, offered to them, 
then then yeah i think if i'm michael jordan i'm doing or you know i think they have a new ownership group now there but mm. it, new owners especially want to make moves like this right new owners sell tickets they want they want to fill the stands and and i i can see the the unbelievable highlights from lamello and zion but both of those guys have injury problems as we've seen with with lamello he's -hmm. been injured a bunch too over his career but that's the one that that does the jordan ties uh zion went to duke knows the state of north carolina and Mm -hmm. i know it's you know charlotte and not uh durham but you know he he should have some comfortability from there he's from south carolina so like i can see all of that working much more in favor of Zion being moved than Portland. It's just crazy how we're talking about this right now. It's freaking Zion. Yeah. You know, and it seems like from all intents and purposes, like the wording was that the Pelicans are open to moving Zion. That's right. it. That, that was the wording for it. I mean, you'd have to get a haul. I don't, I just don't think, I don't think it's enough. I mean, and they must see something in scoot that they don't see in Zion, but when they are, when the Pelicans are healthy and playing, like I, I, they blew our mind last year, and then they went on this horrible drought, right? I think it well, was their, I mean, it was bad, bad. Yeah, Zion got injured the hamstring, Ingram mm-hmm. injured during that period of mm-hmm. time, and you lose those two guys. Like, what are you? Not, you're not going to do jack shit <laughs> without those two guys on that team. Uh, I thought it was interesting. I want to bring some of these up, these scenarios for you. Bleacher Report came out with an article yesterday. That was titled No Brainer Trades for uh, 2024 NBA Title Contenders. And some of them were interesting. And I thought I'd bring them up on the show and see what you thought about them. And it starts out with Golden State. Because we do think mm-hmm. that there's going to be some... some. I mean, they have some things they, they need to address. And the number one thing is probably the Jordan Poole or the Draymond. Is he going to opt in or not? Take the $27 million? Is he going to test free agency? The fact that he's probably the best free agent right now, minus Fred Van Vliet opting out. And so Van Vliet's going to be up. Somebody's going to pick him up. I think we both think that the, the, the Spurs are going to take a good look at him. I think the Spurs are going to be taking a good look at CP as well to see what they can do down there. But this was the trade scenario for the Warriors. Uh, it was Golden State received Terry Rozier and Cody Martin. Hornets received Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole inked a four-year deal, $123 million. Didn't have the best year this year after I was all in on Jordan Poole last year. That was my guy. Didn't have the best year this year. Uh, he was only averaging 8.3 points a game in the 20 minutes per night while shooting 34% overall and 25% for three. Um, I don't know. I think he needs a new location. I think Jordan Poole needs a new location. I'm not so sure Terry Rozier and Cody Martin uh, make them better. But I, I I think Terry can provide scoring. I mean, he's kind of streaky at times. Cody's a good backup when you need it. But I, I, I like it. I think they could get more for Jordan Poole, though. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, that one's that one's interesting. Cody's a th- three and D guy. Yeah, I mean, at this point, you want Caleb, right? Everyone wants Caleb and not Cody. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, that, yeah, I can see Terry being the guy coming off the bench for the Warriors. Right. And and being just kind of sliding into that Jordan Poole role. And then you can have um, you know, Cody Martin run around there, you know, doing his stuff off the bench as well. Uh, I don't hate that. I, I don't hate that. You know, if the if the Warriors are really off pool, like that's their way to get like mm-hmm. uh, you know, some of that money off the books. Uh 
I think they could do worse. <laughs> and I, you said that there's more out there for pool. I don't know. I, that's that's not terrible. It just comes down to whether or not like Terry Rozier wants to be like the guy coming off the bench for the Warriors now. Like if if, if he's in, if he thinks that that's like the stage of the career that he's at now, mm-hmm. then then you know then I think that's definitely a possibility. Or you just you invested all this money in Jordan Poole. Obviously, he didn't have the greatest season last season, but he had flashes of being like, oh, that that's that could be the guy. That is the guy. Maybe you stick with him. And maybe I just don't know is if Draymond's not there is Jordan better <laughs> production wise. I mean, they have a lot of things they need to address. What are you going to do with these young these young cats? You know, the cats that you're not even playing. There's probably a lot of value still for Kuminga and for Moody and for Poole. Like, they have a lot of assets that they can give up. Um, I still think they're going to try to figure out the Draymond situation and, and keep Draymond there. I think it's up to him based how much money he wants to make, you know. And also, it came out today with Bradley Beal. They're willing to explore trades. And, you know, there's this... There's this thing with Boston and Beal and Jalen Brown, but I think if trading both those guys, it's like the same thing. It's a wash. That's what I think. Yeah, I think the way that it works is you sign Jalen to that extension, and then you go like Beal and Kuzma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of it. Or like Beal and Porzingis. You know, mm-hmm. like then then we're getting somewhere. But I don't know why Washington would go like, sweet, like <laughs> just give us Jalen Brown and we'll give you two of our best players. Right. I You know, there's got to be something else on the back end of that. Uh, so I think there's something there because the, the inevitable connection, St. Louis connection between Jason Tatum and, and Bradley Beal, you know, they're they've been in each other's lives for a long time. They're good friends, both mm-hmm. from the St. Louis area. And a lot of people have been eyeing the brown for beal trade in you know several since jalen brown's been in the nba uh so would i be shocked if that went through no i agree with you though i think it's going to take more than just a straight swap like beal for brown that makes little to no sense to me there's got to be other things other fun things involved for both ends and maybe this turns into a three-teamer you know you Mm -hmm. can throw some picks in here and there and shuffle some players around uh but i think uh that definitely, you know, Boston, number one, for sure, could be a landing spot. Uh, today, this morning, uh, our guy, Boston Ben, uh, from Barstool, was was texting me that Beal could go to the Warriors. Like, it could be Jordan Poole for Beal in that scenario. Mm. Uh, and I think there might be something there. Like, if you do, like, Poole and, and Kaminga for Beal or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, you know, That's there's, nice. again, there's other stuff out there. But Beal to the Warriors could be an interesting idea. Maybe 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 Clay's involved in that trade and not. Mm, don't let Crompton hear that. Don't let wow. Big Jeff Crompton hear yeah, that. I think they're going to make a splash. I just think after watching Boston uh, this season, I think Jalen Brown is is great with Tatum. They are, and they they put so much time and energy into building around these two that to just give up Brown to bring in Beal, I just think it it doesn't it doesn't help. But if Brown is unhappy and wants more of a right. role on the team it's probably up to Jalen Brown what he wants to do because the money's coming well it's ultimately up to Brad Beal because he's the only player in the NBA with a no trade clause so anything that goes through Washington it's funny that they say that they're going to listen to opportunities Mm -hmm. he gets the he has the veto bro they they didn't know that I didn't know that he's the only player that has a no Mm -hmm. trade clause uh he's he he can he can veto any any move that the Wizards come up with so I, I expect that we'll continue to hear a bunch of rumors about different various locations and trades for Bradley Beal. That'll all be conjecture because it does end with him. So he's going to have to be excited about where he's going. 
right? Uh, you know, I, I, there could be a Knicks possibility there, right? We always think about like, Knicks what are the... going to be involved with every single one of these players. What are the Knicks going to be doing? About, right? right, exactly. What are the Knicks? There's a Chicago, the uh, Chicago possibility there. If you want to shake that up, I know Miami would be interested in Beal. Um, so Beal is you know, that's an interesting guy. It's a guy that we don't get to talk a lot about because the Wizards are terrible, right? And he does not seem to care. He's floating around. You want to talk about the guy that says that there's no passion from Nikola Jokic? Turn on a Bradley Beal game, sir. Go, go ahead and watch the Wizards play. You want to talk about passion? There's other ways to to, to define passion in the NBA uh, by by having saying Nikola Jokic lacks it. So uh, Bradley Beal is an interesting guy. He seems very content in Washington. Seems to love the DMV area and happy to make his money. and And he had some some you know limited success success with with him and John Walls appearing early on in, in, in the first couple of years there. Uh, but since John Wall got like all those injuries, Brad Beal has done really good uh, scoring the ball for the most part. And, Individually. Yeah. Doing his own thing out there, but it has not translated into wins. And I don't, I'm not going to blame that on him in any, in any form or fashion. Like the team was not great. Uh, the closest that they got to winning again was when they had Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. They should have kept this whole time. I still think that, uh, but you know, Kuzma came on really good for the Wizards. Porzingis came on really good for the Wizards this year. You know, I would not be shocked if the Wizards are like, all right, maybe it's time. I don't know what the fuck Toronto's going to do. There, there's a bunch of suitors for the Brad Beal type. I just mm-hmm. don't know if those suitors are going to be like super excited if you're a contender to spill all the cash and trade your assets for a guy that you don't know how much he cares. Yeah, I think the writing is on the wall in Washington. I think there has to come a point when you're Bradley Beal and you look around in the locker room and you're like, (laughs) okay, Kuzma, Porzingis. I don't think this is going to really work. Right. I don't, I don't think this is a championship team. I don't know how much, like you just said, how much Bradley Beal cares about winning a championship. And we both don't know Bradley Beal. Well, Philly's the other option, by the way, too. I didn't mention Philly. Awesome. I think there could be be a Harden. There could be a Harden Philly, um, trade for Beal there. I like that. And I think that keeps Philly in contention. I think Brad and, and, and Embiid could be something to, you know, something good. Uh, I'm, yeah. it's funny. There was, uh, somebody posted on social media the other day, like it, it was, uh, it was James Harden making his decision. He's like, a go to Houston or B, uh, stay in Philly. And I'm like, what about C? I, I see. I don't care. Right? How about that one? I don't care where James Harden goes, and the, the fact that we're talking about—if he was smart, he stays in Philly and tries to win a championship. But for whatever reason, he wants to go back to Houston. I'm—I'm I'm not even going to bring up Harden on this show unless you do. I kind of want to stick with the next trade proposal being with Boston. This was Boston gets CP, and the Phoenix Suns get Marcus Smart and Grant Williams in a sign and trade. Now, while I think I said on the last show, there's no way Chris Paul goes to Boston because it's just it's far away from L.A. where he lives. But it's it would be a good idea if you're still trying to win a championship. But Boston gets CP that addresses their their point guard issue. And then Phoenix gets Marcus Smart and Grant Williams. I I don't I don't hate it. But I also think that like. Again, the best case scenario for CP is to stay right where he's at, figure out a way to stay. In well, Phoenix. yeah, but maybe the Suns don't want him anymore. I mean, right. maybe, maybe the Suns are just done with it. I agree with you. I think we're both like firm on the fact that Chris Ball should be on the Suns next year, right? If yes. all if everyone can just like pull their head out of their ass and just go like, let's try a full season with CP Booker and Kevin Durant before we just 
change everything up again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like it for Boston at all because you're giving up your only two enforcers that you have on the team. Like Smart and Grant Williams are only two guys that grab their balls during that Miami Heat series. That's true. Uh, so I That's don't true. like that. You got to keep one of those guys off for Boston because they're the enforcer role. And I don't mean that like, oh, because you know, you have to be big. We know what enforcers are. It's like the Pat Bevs. It's like the heart of the team. You can't pull both Marcus Smart and Grant Williams out of there because they're those guys are tough and they don't take anybody's shit. Uh, and that's really important for an NBA team to have at least one. You got to have one guy. And I'm not trying to say that everybody else on the uh, Celtics is a pushover, but it's pretty obvious where the pecking order is for like toughness. And it starts with Marcus Smart. So if they trade Marcus Smart, they really need to address that portion of it somehow. It's like taking the heart out of your, the heart out of the team. Cause that's their exactly. guy. Yeah. But they might be off of him. I mean, some of the great, the, the stuff Grant Williams does. I don't, I'm not so sure we yeah. should ask Barstool Ben, like how much Boston fans love Grant Williams. Right. Yeah. He doesn't, he, he's not a fan. I Grant Williams will be on a different team next right. year. I just okay. don't know if it's going to be via trade or free agency. The Celtics don't have enough money to keep him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he slipped up. Like he had a great, a great year last year and really helped them. Uh, that Milwaukee game will live in history for Grant Williams. Uh, the, the game against Milwaukee, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, he, he, they can't afford him and he's not, he's not, it doesn't do enough for them to keep him on that level. Uh, so I, I know he'll be gone. It's just whether it's involved in a trade package or if they just let him walk on free agency. So the next one's going to be for your Lakers, Drew, okay. with a guy, a guy that's been tied to, to the Laker organization for what seems to be the past 17 years. All right. Chris Paul. <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, that's going to be floated <laughs> around so much, right. That we've already said that he's going to be tied to the Clippers, which the Clippers definitely need a point guard. I just think the bridge is burnt with Chris. I'm not necessarily sure he wants to come play here with no. us. Lakers, I could see possibly happening. But Los Angeles Lakers received Miles Turner <laughs> and TJ McConnell. Pacers received Malik Beasley, Mo Bamba, Max Crispy, and the number 19 pick. Now, Miles Turner, you know, we we thought was it was gonna it was gonna happen last season. He's been linked to this team a lot. I, I don't necessarily know. I mean, Miles Turner, you give up all this and Miles Turner is going to be your backup center. Do you move him to the four? Um, you get a, a heavy rebounding and, you know, defense. But seems like, a is it a lot to give up for those two? TJ would be great. The toughness. Hey, we all like TJ. Give me the give me the names again. Malik Beasley, Mo Bamba, Max Christie, and the 19th pick. Uh, the number 19 pick in this year's draft for Turner and TJ. Uh, I, think I don't it's... mind that. I don't mind that. Mm. Well, Beasley, you're not utilizing right. Mo Bamba doesn't get off the bench. Max Christie, you know how the Lakers love to play like rookie guys and young guys. It's not happening. He's going to be in the G League at some point. The 19 pick is probably going to be trash. And Lakers don't really, you know, they're not going to do much with it. I, I'm pretty sure they're going to use that 19th pick in a trade at some point in the offseason to, to acquire more, you know, more firepower for you mm. guys. You've wanted uh, Miles Turner for a minute. I I don't hate it. I think you can might might be you might be able to get away without getting rid of Malik Beasley. But if you're not even going to use him properly, then then what's the point of having him on the team? But then yeah. you get your Miles Turner. Is that a game changer for the Lakers? Yeah, you know, it's, I still don't hear a shooter in there. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> year six of the follow through with Clips and God Drew. Damn it. Um, but yeah, that's that's hell yeah. I don't. I have Wouldn't no you rather? With that. W- would you rather trade? Would you rather give up Malik Beasley 
Mo Bamba, Max Christie, Max Christie in the 19 pick for Duncan Robinson and one more. <laughs> would you give up all that for Duncan Robinson? I wouldn't give up all that for Duncan Robinson, okay. but uh, I, I, you know, if Struess is available in free agency, well, we better be knocking at that door. Okay. Uh, same thing with Duncan. I mean, if we can get Duncan Robinson on a, you know, on a trade for for Beasley and others, then fuck yeah, let's pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. But uh, the 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 Turner TJ piece. It, that's that it doesn't you know ring my bell necessarily uh i think it's close uh i don't know with anthony davis being like the center like where does miles turner fit in this point that you brought up like is miles the four is anthony davis the four are we gonna go big big again and just hope that miles can shoot a three because ad can't anymore mm-hmm. um there's some definite possibilities there i think miles turner is a really good player um i wouldn't hate it i wouldn't hate it but i it's not my first choice i don't think yeah, I think you. I think we could do better. I think you would, and mind you, these are Bleacher reports. These aren't clips and yeah. Drew. We'll, we'll, we have plenty of time in this offseason <laughs> to give you our picks, but uh, I'm 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 not buying that one either. I think I yeah. think you can do uh, a little better than that. So this next one, the Knicks. This is a three-team trade. Oh, Knicks, Clippers, Trailblazers. All right. Okay. Knicks receive Paul George. Clippers oh. receive Damian Lillard. Blazers receive RJ Barrett, Obi Toppin, Jericho Sims, Evan Fournier, 2025 first round pick, top four protected from Milwaukee via the Knicks, and the 2027 first round pick via the Knicks, and the 2029 first round pick via the Knicks. And I, I'm like, God damn, that is a lot. I mean, if you're trying to rebuild an organization, if you are Portland, I mean, shit, man. R.J. Barrett, Obi Toppin, Jericho Sims, Evan Fournier, and some picks, first round picks, and that's for Paul George for them, huh? That's for Paul George. That seems like a lot. Seems I think like they'd rather. Lot. I think they'd rather just like give that up for, for Dame. Yeah, but 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 having Dame and Jalen Brunson doesn't make sense. I like. I mean, look, that's an interesting one. There's a lot of fucking pieces there, right? <laughs> uh, I don't see Paul George. Leaving the Clippers, I just I don't, I don't either. I, he's an LA guy. I think he, you know, really feels at home here. But if the Clippers are, you know, like trying to shake shit up, uh, if dude Paul George be the best Nick player to suit up since Melo. I mean, really, I mean, he's better than Jalen Brunson, better than Julius Randle. I think the uh, piece that we're looking at here is look. You know my love for Paul George. Yeah, and honestly, after seeing Jerry West on Paul George's podcast the other day, we're not. I don't think we're getting rid of either of these guys it's the Damian Lillard piece to the Clippers without Paul George is what is interesting to me Mm. and I just still think even though I don't like it I don't like it I I don't I don't don't either all right again you have to take everything into consideration Paul George when healthy is one of the best two-way players in the NBA and he's been Uh, the more healthy and reliable one he sure as hell has between him and Kawhi. <laughs> man, do not get me started. That Jerry West interview was just sad, like literally just tearing up because he's right. He's like, I feel so bad for you guys. You know, it feels like we're jinxed. And I'm like, Jerry, you should listen to the Clipper Conjuring podcast that Drew and I did a few weeks ago. Um, I think there's going to be moves to be made for the Clippers. I don't think that we're getting rid of either Paul George or Kawhi. I think 
you know, we've been tied to guys like KJ Martin right now. He's on a very small contract. That's cool. Those I love it. Right. Get some athleticism, get some young legs in here. I love it. Yeah, You can get rid of Morris and pop KJ and take those minutes. See, that's what I think that we're going with. I think that's, I think, I think there are suitors for Marcus Morris. I think he's played his last game, even though, you know, it came out that him and Ty Lue are real tight, but that shit doesn't matter right now. Like if you're not producing, you're not producing. We appreciate you and what you've done for us, Marcus, but we got to move on. And the KJ thing, like I, I really like it. Now we got to figure out the point guard situation and, you know, we bring in Russell back, which I hope we are. I think he wants to stay. I think we're going to bring him back. What are we doing with bones? Are we keeping Highland? Uh, I think Brandon Boston Jr.'s name has been floated around who will probably be a throw in to a couple of these. And I like B I like Brandon. I don't think he's gotten enough time and enough love to actually see how good this kid can be. And the last thing, look at the end of the day, this is the last thing that the Clippers want to do. If you're going to send Paul George to the Knicks, right. Or Paul George anywhere, fucking Paul George has an MVP season. You know what I'm saying? That's the last thing we want is we want to see because there's still, we still have a window with these guys. If they're healthy, we got it. We've, we've invested a lot. This is, I'm not going to go. This is not a a, a Clipper fucking podcast on on this (laughs) specific episode. I know I turn it into that sometimes, but we're, we're just too deep with Paul George and Kawhi. We got to run it back with these guys, surround the guys with, you know what we've been doing. If we could just stay injury free, we cannot. I, 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 as much as I love Dame, I don't want to. I don't want to give all that up for yeah. Dame. Yeah, I think that exercise kind of ran its course for this particular article because that one's just a bunch of shit. Threw a bunch of shit on a wall and big names moving to, you know, big places. Mm-hmm. The trade that the Knicks, I think, will be looking at most likely is not Damian Lillard. It's Carl Anthony Towns. It's a guy that they've circled for a while. I think if the Knicks are going to be making a move to trade away Obi Toppin, to trade away R.J. Barrett and guys that have performed pretty well for them, especially more recently, they're going to be looking to pair that with a player that can complement Jalen Brunson. And Carl Anthony Towns does that great. So I think that's the trade that we'll be looking at more so than, you know, an older Damian Lillard or an older Paul George. Uh, both guys, by the way, Paul George or Lillard, whoever we're talking about in this scenario, have to still deal with Tibbs, which is doesn't sound exciting. If I'm 30-something-year-old Paul George and Damian Lillard, and I'm going to kind of try and win a ring somewhere, for instance, uh, I don't know if I'm going to sign up for the three-year Tibbs run where I'm going to have to really fucking play super hard defense. Well, Paul likes to out. do that. Damian doesn't like to do that. I'm, I'm sure Paul would do just fine, but it does take a toll on your body, as we yeah. saw with the Knicks. And so, like, injury-prone guys in, in a in a Tibbs scenario, it doesn't work very well. I think the one guy that we're going to bring up a lot and – Again, since this free agent market is going to be real thin, I think the guy's name that's going to be thrown around a lot is Dylan Brooks, which is funny to say. There's a lot of teams that are going to that are looking for the three and D guy right now, and I think Dylan's going to be up there. We still don't know. We're on John Morant watch right now. I think they're going to wait till post parade. So tomorrow's parade, when is, uh, parade? is the parade for the Nuggets, yeah. and I think so. I'm thinking like Friday. I'm thinking Friday or by the weekend. We're I could give a fuck, man. I just want it to be announced. Like I and you know, I, I'm cool with it. I'm not it's not it's not causing me to stay up late at night. It's no. not causing me to think about anything other than like I just want to know what it is. Let's get it over with so we can like move on. Um, 
you know, Adam Silver going to be like, well, I don't want to announce it now because we're going to step on the draft or I don't want to announce it now because summer leagues around the corner. Just put a tweet out. You don't have Just to do a press do conference it and or be anything. done. It's so easy. It is so easy to announce the suspension. This is not hard. I don't understand why we went into that in full length on the last mm. one. So I'm not going to rehash that. But yeah, uh, we're waiting still. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just time. It should have been done three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Shit. Um, I don't have much more, Drew. You have a uh, you have a final thought for us, unless you got I, something else you want to bring up. Well, I think the, the one thing I'll do is I'll just clean up the coaching stuff. Uh, Toronto finally signed a coach. They got a Memphis assistant, Darko Rajakovic. Rajikovic. I don't know how to say his last name. We're gonna figure that out soon. Uh, but that means no Doc Rivers, no but no Budenholzer. Uh, for this for this particular coaching season, Doc Rivers went on Bill Simmons' podcast, something that I told him to do on two episodes. I didn't ago. hear that. He I went out. Yeah, that. he was on. He analyzed Game Five with Bill uh, and confirmed that at least for the start of the NBA season, he won't be coaching this year for the first time in like 22 years. And he said he's going to do some TV stuff and he's probably going to do a podcast. Everything that I told Doc to do, I said, dude, just go take a breather. I, I said retire. I don't know if he's retiring. It's more like uh-huh. he would be taking a breather. These coaching positions come up all the time, and I'm sure he'll land somewhere if he wants to. Even in the middle of the season, someone's going to get fired. Uh, so it wouldn't necessarily be that that he's out for the entire year. Uh, but at least for now, both Budenholzer and Doc Rivers will be taking a breather from head coaching duties. I uh, did also want to talk about Monty, uh, Monty Williams signing uh, the, the, the largest contract in coaching history for the NBA at $13 million. Thirteen and a half million dollars a year for six years with Detroit. Damn. Um, uh, Sam Cassell and Charles Lee both signed as assistant coaches with Boston. So the the reinforcements ha- have arrived for mm-hmm. uh, Joe Maz Bazooka Joe in Boston. I think Sam Cassell, Charles Lee, both guys know what the hell they're doing. Both guys have interviewed for head coaching jobs, including Charles Lee, who had interviewed for a couple this season. Finally, you know, did what we expected them to do and take advantage of the opportunities there. Uh, and David Fisdale. Fizz. Assistant coach in uh, Phoenix. David Fisdale, assistant coach in Phoenix. And that pretty much cleans it up. That cleans up the coaching merry-go-round. I think everyone's found a seat um, that at the table for the most part, except for those two guys that I mentioned. Um, the Toronto hire was kind of kind of crazy, right? No, not really. I mean, he was he's an assistant coach. He's been on the bench for a while in Memphis. I'm pretty sure that guy's been in the NBA for some time. He's just a, he's a, he's a relatively unknown guy, just like a lot of those, you know, tenured assistant coaches are. Most, you know, casual fans don't know most assistant coaches. That's fair. I I mean, we are not casual fans by any means. We know I know most assistant coaches, but I haven't necessarily been made aware of this guy before today's uh or not today, but before this week's announcement that he'll be uh he'll be coaching toronto so we'll see what happens with toronto now they have a you know they have a guy in there that's going to try and implement some plan i think that what that means is that he's going to assess what the roster looks like and figure out you know are we keeping van vliet are we going to try and sign this free agent to a massive deal uh what are we going to do with siakam and the rest of it i mean you know og Ananobi is a guy that we talked about for every freaking podcast until the trade deadline didn't mention him again nothing happened so uh <laughs> we'll see what the hell happens Yaku uh Pirtle was the guy gary trent jr would be high on my wish list for the lakers so if we're talking wish list and trades for beal or for for, for beasley and others mm-hmm. gary trent jr yes please i think he actually might be a restricted free agent this year i i think wish list will be great for the next pod that'll be fun okay. to do 
All right. Um, well, Gary Trent will be at the top of the list. <laughs> I gave I gave away my number one pick. <laughs> I think, you know, man, big ups to Monty for being fired out of the blue and then picking up a huge job in Detroit. I think he's going to be great with those yeah. guys, with the young talent on the team. I think they're going to be real responsive to him. And uh, I think they they found a good guy. I mean, they said that part of the uh, deal was the health insurance for the, for the wife. She's going through breast cancer right now. And uh, I think that's huge. The fact that they're doing that. I mean, yeah. you should have health coverage anyways, right? When you're an NBA coach. Yeah, I, I think there's, you know, there's health insurance and then there's, uh, you know, highest paid NBA coach health insurance, you know, mm-hmm. like, so I, yeah, I'm very happy that they are accommodating to him and good God, like, let's hope that everything's okay with Monty, mm-hmm. uh, with Monty's family. I mean, he's been through a lot already, but uh, yeah, so that's that. My final thought, though, is this is a big moment for Serbia. I know we talked a lot about Nikola Jokic on this podcast and we will continue to do so every year because he's spectacular. But, you know, the Joker in the NBA is not the first Joker that's ever been out there. Not even the first Joker from Serbia. Nikola Jokic is the second Joker to Novak Djokovic, who is the original Joker. He he has a D in front of his name, so it looks a little different. Uh, But he just won the French Open and became the greatest tennis player in men's history. Most uh, major victories outbeating Nadal and Federer in the process of doing so. Um, so big joker moment for the nation of Serbia. They are on top of the sporting world right now, that Maybe. country. Just crushing it. Two jokers, two championships, 23 majors for, for Novak. Same week, too? In the same week. Same week. Um, and it made me think about you know, the tennis landscape is not something we cover on here a lot, right? No, we do not. Uh, maybe it might even be the first time that we're bringing it up in, in six seasons. Uh, but it made me think, like, we do this stuff all the time in the NBA. You alluded to it, like the the GOAT talk. And in tennis, it's a very different conversation because they the, the, the three best players to ever play the game of tennis in the men's side all existed at the same time. So it's like having uh, MJ, LeBron, and Kobe, we'll just say that, all playing all drafted in like 2005 or 2003 and being able to watch their whole careers and them competing against themselves. So it's huge moment for the game of tennis. Uh, But it made me think about that in relation to how we view great players. And in the tennis game, I actually think even though uh, Novak Djokovic is technically the greatest of all time at this point, he's going to be looked at the way that, you know, Bill Russell or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is looked at. You know, those two guys have these crazy accolades, but they're almost pushed down and forgot about when we get into this conversation of the greatest player ever. I feel like Nadal is kind of like Kobe, right? Won a lot of stuff, the ultimate competitor. And Roger Federer is Michael Jordan. And I think most people will look at that list and say, well, it doesn't matter that you know, Novak Djokovic has 23 major championships and uh, Roger Federer only has 20. People will say Roger Federer is better. And I, I just, it's just an interesting final thought. This final thought, I'm going way off. I love basketball. it. It's the off season. Mm-hmm. So I'm just bringing in a, an interesting conversation here. What do you think about the way that I just broke that down? I think it's great. And shout out to Serbia because they're crushing it right now. Yeah. I think with sports like tennis and like golf, when it's individual sports like that, and you have all these chips, all these accolades, you did that. It's on you. Yeah. It's nobody else. It's no right. other 
you know, anything from the outside. It's not injuries or bad coaching and bad timeouts. You won that shit. So I think it's easier. It should be easier for, uh, for Joker number one to be able to say, look, these are the chips. I have 23. I Federer this. has 20. Right. I'm the goat. Right. Right. When in actuality, when you talk about basketball and team sports in LeBron and Mike and Kobe and all that, there's a whole bunch of different factors. You know, I think that, you know, the fact that we, and I don't mean to take away from the tennis, but the fact that we still like, when we say LeBron made it to 10 finals, we talk about all the ones he lost and not about fucking going to 10 finals when people mm -hmm. don't ever get to go. Joker and Jamal Murray have never been to a finals before, right? Like this was their first time. They might not ever get back. And LeBron, LeBron's lost more finals than you've even been to. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like that's wild. I just think it's easier on paper to have the debate with tennis and with golf because the numbers don't lie, you know? So that's my thought on it. Do I have any validity to that? Does that work or no? Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. It is. I mean, it's not a team sport, right? So like when you, it's, it's much more cut and dry, right? There's, there's nothing like, Oh, you know, like you're saying my second best player was injured during this game. And, you know, LeBron, can can point at you know uh, Kevin Love's injury or Kyrie mm. or anything like that in, in previous losses and and say you know that wasn't my fault I still mm. got us there right for sure definitely definitely different sports and I wasn't trying to make an, an, an exact correlation it was more about like having fun with it and being like I just the way that it, it hit me this morning when I was thinking about it because I was just like it's interesting I still I still personally hold Roger Federer as the greatest tennis player I've ever seen. You know, uh, and that's just the way that I think about but that's the how goat. That's how mostly goat yes. debates go are on your personal preference and exactly. what they meant to you. Right. And, you know, if you saw them play or not and shit like yeah. that, dude, it's so hard. That's why it's a debate that's not never going to be won until somebody goes to 10 NBA finals and wins 10 NBA championships and is fucking perfect. Like <laughs> you're always going to have that like debate. Bill Russell. <laughs> like Bill Russell, right? Who right. should be the one, but unfortunately, <laughs> he played in the wrong era. And it's it, yeah. some of this stuff it's never going to be enough for people. So, staying on the big man and the goat talk really fast. My my final thoughts going to be about a guy you brought up a couple minutes ago, about our guy Carl Anthony Towns, okay? This guy hops on Pat Bev's podcast and says some of the most erroneous shit I've ever heard. <laughs> and I like Cat, man. You know, I like cat, but there's just sometimes it's hard. It's hard to like cat sometimes put it that way. <laughs> so his quote is, I feel like when my time is up and I retire and I put the shoes up, I feel like there's going to be people who are going to say that I changed the game <laughs> and I'm going to be very appreciative of that. Carl Anthony Towns thinks that. <laughs> And he changed the game. All right. This guy comes out and self-proclaims himself as the greatest big man shooter of all time. And then you come out and say this shit, especially on the heels of just watching an NBA center literally change the game. We're seeing the, la the landscape is changing. We have a seven foot white Serbian dude that is just murdering cats with who's just shot 47% from three in the NBA finals. And you had alluded to it already points, rebounds and assists. And I understand Carl Anthony Towns 
thinking that that's what he wants. Like he mm-hmm. wants people to think, but 20 points, eight rebounds and four assists while shooting 36 from three isn't a game changer to me. And I don't see, I, I just found it real funny. Like, why would he say something like that? Like, can you just pick your words better? Say, oh, he was, you know, when, when I hang the shoes up, people are going to say that boy was good. You know, that was a good, that he was good. Oh, and he could shoot threes too. Don't say that you changed the game. Cause what are you, what are you changing about the game? Huh? <laughs> How about you play a full season? Right. Am, am I wrong about this? Am I upset about, about, about it for no reason? You know, I like to, to be, to be upset. Little things make me upset. <laughs> this was upsetting to me. Or do you think it was just in the moment? And he says it in passing to Pat Bev. Um, I think that Carl Anthony Towns is one of those guys that likes to be cool, likes to be a cool guy, mm-hmm. right? Wants to be a cool guy. Wants people to think he's cool. And I actually don't have any problems with Carl Anthony Towns. I think seems I like a either. nice enough seems like a nice enough guy, right? Yeah. Uh, but each and every time that we get a clip of him, like even on Twitch playing video games, he just talks out the side of his head, including this particular quote. You change the game. You change the game. Mm-hmm. I would have loved for Patrick Beverly or Roan, the barstool guys that were interviewing him on that podcast, to be like, can you like what what way? What way is it that you have changed? What is about it about this? The game How about Pat Bev could have said Pat Bev could have said, listen, young homie, I probably have changed the game more than you have changed the game. <laughs> Pat Bev, I mean, at least he changed the game on officiating. I want right? to give Patrick Beverly credit because he did not make a face. Neither of them, the interviews, I think had we interviewed Carl Anthony Towns and he said that to you and me, I think we both would have done our best and could not, maybe maybe we would not have been successful at suppressing the reaction. Because it's one of the most ridiculous. It's just like a soundbite, though. So this is what I'm getting at. I think mm-hmm. Carl Anthony Towns, uh, you know, uh, when you're interviewed a lot and you're in the spotlight a lot as an NBA player, you just get into the soundbite game mm-hmm. and you start saying, you know, little soliloquies and little things that just make sense, just quote unquote, make sense to to the answer, but don't actually have much substance. And I think he just chose a poor, you know, string of words there. Um, I, you know, I I think the question that was posed to him when he came up with that answer is where do you stand mm-hmm. amongst the NBA big men? And it may have been in like the past or even just like present, because right now he's definitely not in the top three NBA centers. No. Right. So it's hard to change the game when you're not even the best player in the game at any given point. In you're time. not the best player on your team. Right. <laughs> Sorry. I don't mean to scream. I just, it's just little things like this, man. Yeah, and again, like I just think I think Carl Anthony Towns is a cool guy. I think he mm-hmm. thought that was like a cool response, and he's always trying to be like, ah, ha, ha, like you know, like big, like different vibes. Like I'm chill guy, like I'm funny guy. He thinks he's funny and stuff, and so it, it turns out that actually was funny. That's what it was. Was funny. Uh, <laughs> follow us, man. We got a YouTube channel. We're 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 trying to get up and running here. Drew and I are finally figuring out when this is a two man operation. This stuff gets real difficult and time consuming, but we're really going to work on on the YouTube at Clips and Drew. Follow your boys. Leave us a review if you can at Clips and Drew uh, on the Instagram. Hit us up on Spotify, on Apple. We are everywhere that you guys need to go. The NBA season may be over, but Clips and Drew will continue. It's the follow through and we're ghosts.